Thanks for joining Impact Boom. On this episode... If you decide on your mission, you've got your plan and you, you know what you're going to achieve, you've just got to stick to it and not lose faith. Getting any enterprise up, especially social impact, is a roller coaster of mm-hmm. ups and downs, of troughs and full tides, I suppose you'd call it. And it's not easy and it's a challenge and you don't want to be dissuaded by that. Welcome to impactboom.org. We search the globe to find the people, stories, ideas, and inspiration to help you create maximum positive impact. Each week, Impact Boom brings you thought-provoking interviews with world-leading practitioners passionate about creating positive social change. These designers, social entrepreneurs, educators, innovators, thinkers, and doers share their projects, initiatives, thoughts, and insights on creating a better world. You can find all the stories, links, and other great content at impactboom.org. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter for the latest updates, or subscribe to the newsletter or on iTunes. Thanks for listening to episode 287 of Impact Boom. My name's Indio Miles, and I'm passionate about communicating the initiatives and enterprises causing sustainable and positive change globally. Today, we're speaking with Brett Levy. Brett Levy is a descendant of the Kuma people whose traditional land borders Maranoa River and the town of St. George towards the Warrigo River in the west nearing the town of Kanamala, north towards the Carnarvon Range nearing the town of Mitchell and south to the Queensland and New South Wales border. His Kuma people won their native title right to this traditional country way back in 2014. He has been elected to multiple social impact community-based not-for-profit organisations, including Black Community Housing, Kumbajara Performing Arts Company, Queensland Trachoma Eye Health Association, Brisbane Indigenous Media Association, Australian Indigenous Communication Association, Community Broadcasting Foundation, Musgrove Park Cultural Centre and World Indigenous Association. At present, Brett manages Bilby Virtual Lab, First Nations social impact organization with the mission of developing a virtual storytelling software toolkit, SAAS, to empower First Nations communities both domestically and abroad to record, preserve, and represent respectfully the traditional knowledge and connection of First Nation people to their custodial landscape. He uses the medium of augmented and virtual reality to achieve this. Virtual Songline's application has been employed at many places already, including the Cross River Rail Experience Centre in Brisbane, the National Maritime Museum in Sydney, the Ian Potter Museum in Melbourne, Yagan Square in Perth, Dejon Museum of Contemporary Art in South Korea, and many other galleries, libraries, and museums. On today's podcast, we'll discuss Brett's perspective on promoting Indigenous culture and stories through virtual reality technology, and how the Social Enterprise World Forum will strengthen the social enterprise community and provide diverse representation. Brett, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks, brother. Thanks for that introduction. Excellent. So to start off, Brett, could you please just share a bit about your background and what led to your work currently with Virtual Songlines? My background, obviously, is on First Nations follow. And I like to tell stories using the mediums that I'm able to. That started in radio a while back, then progressed to documentary production. And then over the last decade or more, I've been exploring gamification on PC computers, augmented reality and and VR as well, virtual reality. It really is just what's the best way of getting somebody's yarn out there and told in the best possible way that 
does it justice, that's authentic, and it is engaging and respectful. That's really interesting, Brett. Thank you for sharing that with our audience. And Brett, you are the director of Bilby Labs, an organization developing the Virtual Songlines Virtual Heritage Toolkit. Could you tell us a bit more about this project and its purpose? I'm the director, but I call myself also the Virtual Heritage Jedi. (laughs) I think someone called me the um, Padawan, but I thought after 10 years, I might have progressed to be Jedi status. I do that. And also, as most people do in social enterprise you tend to do more than just being the director you tend to be the creative director the cultural liaison officer and the designer and a programmer and the, and the troubleshooter and the, and the fixer-upper and I also empty the bins there's lots of things in part of that and that's really it it's just a great challenge and I've got a great team around me and we're just trying to do better and better as best we can yeah no amazing and can you tell us a bit more about what virtual Songlines is looking to achieve our big bold vision has been described as digital storytelling for cultural heritage for Australian First Nations people across the length and breadth of this country. We're focused mainly on doing 50 projects related to capital cities and regional towns and visualising those spaces in three-dimensional space before first settlement. In that world, having anybody visit that world, trying to achieve it in a multi-user environment so multiple people can go there and walk in the footsteps of our ancestors. That's the ultimate aim and that's what I love to show. When people see it, they get it, but it's very hard to describe. It's a bit mind-blowing, but people tell me. That idea of cultural immersion, it's quite wonderful, Brett. It's an amazing project. I just want to talk to you about as well on a more general kind of perspective of the business for good kind of landscape. How do Indigenous own and run businesses that operate with a social outcome differ to the more business as usual approach? Well, the thing is that I think in social impact for First Nations people, you're focused on improving their lifestyle, their well-being, and their connection, their identity. Mm. Our focus is on that. So even though you might call it a business, Mm. we call it a vocational calling, I suppose, or a cultural calling. And that's how I operate. I'm always thinking, who am I helping? I don't want to do any hurt or any harm. But then in exploring some of the, the questions we've got in our virtual worlds, there are some terrible things that have happened in the past. Mm. Our work is a bit like a truth telling of, of a sort. If we're telling people what First Nations culture was like before settlement, it's painting a very sometimes romantic picture. But following First Settlement, there was a bit of a drastic upheaval for First Nations people. And we aren't going to shy away from that in time when we start to explore things like the frontier war and and trying to show how the movement of the frontier affected the lifestyle, well-being and, and harmony of First Nations people that had for the land that they were living and we're custodians of. In our digital representation, there's a bit of a forensic analysis of that work, exploring all the traditional cultural events that would have happened on a day-to-day basis. Where do people wake up? Did they rekindle the fire in the morning? Where do they go off to gather food? Where did they organize themselves to go off for a hunt to gather some meat for Mm. either that lunch or that dinner? And what were the roles played within those clans, within those tribal camping areas. It's a bit like a suburb 
that you have today, like Cooparoo, and that down the road is Woolworths or Coles. There's a creek you've got to cross with a bridge. It might be a, a park you might play at, or a local football field, or a local soccer field, or netball courts. There might be a school. And also there might be a council that comes around and picks up our bin and takes it away. All these same concerns were the same concerns that First Nation communities had and were having to be managed before settlement. I don't think anything changes from then to now in terms of the need for communities to be sustainable, what we're representing. I completely agree there with that message about community sustainability and as well just that idea of accurate representation and storytelling. Super important, Brett. And with the fantastic Mm. news that the Social Enterprise World Forum is coming to Brisbane in 2022, what most excites you about SUF and where do you see virtual song lines being in September of next year? I think that event would be well great to attend in the first instance. Mm. But the next part is that everybody who's there who might have a social impact bent in what they do, which we expect, they'll be like-minded community organisations, social enterprises that are doing wonderful things in a whole raft of different areas. I really feel like if we can be part of that and take people back to the first principles, the first footsteps taken by First Nations people in a traditional way, through our virtual reconstructions, they might that audience might go and respect, understanding and recognition of First Nations people in this local area. I hope when they go home, they take the same values back and say, hey, we might take a moment to respect who came before us and how they played a role to allow us to have what we have today. Mm, it leads yeah. into so many other questions too, I might add. Uh, I won't mention climate change. Yeah, of course. You might have a chance to at some point in the interview, but as you just touched on there, it does. It presents a really unique opportunity for that broader representation of Indigenous Australians in just the pursuit of social good and business. Where do you see other opportunities in the Australian social good sector for this to occur? Where can we better represent Indigenous Australians moving in this sector? naturally an extension of our work if we were to build these applications as we are across the length and breadth of our urban and regional centers they can each stand alone city by city town by town could be easily used to embed indigenous perspectives in the classroom through stem we haven't really got that sorted i had a yarn with a a gentleman who runs a suite of childcare centers he wondered whether my software why applications can serve his needs. He's actually seen me a few times and I thought long and hard about this and I think that we might be able to build a nice AR app as a digital storybook. And rather than reading the words on a page, they're seeing the the stories come out of animated avatars or First Nations people modeled to tell stories, to dance, to practice their culture, to hunt and gather. And all those become a challenge for those people, those young kids. In that regard, there's so many things that can come out of that, which I would think we can meet with this type of thing. I I thought along about that and I thought we could do something for those kids about social and emotional capability, physicality and the fact that we might move them from side to side and get them to move about, not sit down and listen to read, but actually actively stand and do it. Mm-hmm. getting them to think critically and respond to what they're seeing in front of them with a cultural sensitivity. There'll be some oral language and 
obviously communications in that regard. We're looking at something that's inclusive and accessible. We think, oh, well, we might, that might be a good thing. Augmented reality done in a culturally sensitive and responsible way might serve that need. Really interesting. Thank you for sharing all of those ideas there, Brett. And as an Impact Boom alumni in the past, what advice would you give to early stage social entrepreneurs trying to get their projects off the ground? Well, there's a few things. And I think it's both internal and external, internal being in you and external being those around you. Don't, I'll go external first. Don't be afraid to ask. There's people out there. That advice can be very broad in all manner of ways. And every social impact has got to look at everything that relates to any business any mainstream business, but the added pressure being that social impact, reach out, look for that support, but internally stay the course. If you decide on your mission, you've got your plan and you know what you're going to achieve, you just got to stick to it and not lose faith. Getting any enterprise up, especially social impact is a roller coaster of mm-hmm. ups and downs, of troughs and full tides, I suppose you'd call it. It's not easy. It's a challenge and you don't want to be dissuaded by that. But also, if you do it, I would suggest to anybody, have that courage to go all in. Some people have a bob each way, staying in a job by trying to get their social enterprise up on the side. I've never seen that part-time, half 50-50 approach ever work, but I'll be happy to be proven wrong. Those people that I've seen that really go in and go for it and not lose sight of their ultimate vision, that vision over time becomes a realized reality. Because of that, you've got so many alumni that you've interviewed over your time. I think you said something like 200 podcasts. All of them, I would say that are successful are all in. And that's what you've got to be sure of. Being all in takes a lot of resilience, inner strength. And if those sort of things wane in you, reach out to other alumni or other social enterprise organizations and they'll pick you up. I couldn't agree with that idea more, Brett, there of that all-in approach and really investing in your idea and just going for it. Really super important. And I just got two questions left for you, Brett. And the first one is you've met a lot of different people in the sector. Your work connects a lot of different communities and a lot of different individuals. Are there any inspiring projects or initiatives that you might like to mention for our audience? Oh, gee, that's how long we got left. It just you list off a couple that we've got a few minutes, definitely. I, I don't know whether to pick one or the other, but I, I want to say someone that I really love and she inspires me and she's just a legend in my book. Mm. It's a lady by the name of Nicole Dyson. She does an entrepreneur program for schools. And from my way of thinking, she's teaching people how to fish. And if you can fish, you can eat forever. The other thing is that in that same process, she inspires people to follow their passions and their dreams. From my way of thinking, she's she just to- too deadly for my way of thinking, if you know what I mean by too deadly. <laughs> Amazing. We've been lucky enough to have her on the podcast in the past. Um, oh, have you? Yeah. Well, she you is go. absolutely wonderful. So thank you for giving her a mention. And, and for any more information about her, she'll be in a description at the bottom of the article. So people will be able to click on through and find out more about her. There's another person. Um, awesome. Oh, there's actually a few, but there are champions in most of our organizations that I deal with, but I'm just going to list some, right? Mm. There's a chief, James Ross, from the Gwich'in people on Northwest Territory. There's a chief, Joe Shirley, of the Navajo Nation that we dealt with. 
There's Jackie Huggins and Michael Williams, who used to be the chairs of IATSIS in Canberra that helped and inspire me and, and give me advice. Mm. There's a very strong Aboriginal woman called Suzanne Thompson from Western Queensland who was looking at and identifying the traverse and travels of dinosaurs through her country, which set up a Dreamtime story. There's a guy out at Alice Springs whose name is Vincent Forrester, who speaks eloquently and is beyond an elder about the songlines, about the Seven Sisters Dreaming Story, uh, a story that I think was showcased or was showcased at the National Museum of Australia. Wow. One, one of my favourite people is Professor Marcia Langton out of the University of Melbourne, who is looking to pursue the eugenics movement and set it straight for First Nations people if you're much about eugenics. Mm-hmm. Now, these people inspire me. And when I mention those names, they all have their pet projects. And I want to apologise for the two dozen other people that I should be mentioning, 24 others that I could spend the whole podcast defining. And each one of them is worthwhile as a mention and worthwhile for any listener to go and explore in this space. But those are the people I think are doing an amazing social impact across the sectors in various states across the country. Yeah, I think it's just beautiful that people will have the chance to look into these amazing inspirations, these really inspirational people that you've just talked about. All of those people, um, they'll be linked in at the bottom of the article. So people can look at their work, check them out and just learn more from these really inspiring individuals. So thank you for sharing them, Brett. To finish off, are there any books or resources that you would recommend for our listeners to look at? Any library that's attached to any museum and grab every, buy every copy that's got an Indigenous story in it. 100%. Yeah, that is a very fair message. That's an awesome idea. Every museum and any gallery across the country. That means National Museum of Australia, Australian Museum, Museum of Sydney, Museum of Brisbane, um, Queensland Museum, Melbourne Museum. You get the drift? Yeah, 100%. I think it's a really important message for people to to be able to just start looking in. And a museum is a great place to start off and any of those libraries connected to that. I think there's one yeah. other thing they're going to buy. They're going to buy one more thing. Bookcase for the Indigenous <laughs> Library. That's a, yeah, that's a good idea as well. And to be able to keep all of those resources organised and check those out. And so, yeah, it's a great recommendation, Brett. Thank you very much for sharing that. And I believe that leads us up to the end of our interview. So I just want to say as a past alumni, just once again, on behalf of Impact Boom, I really want to thank you um, for sharing your time today and discussing all of these really big topics. You were just amazing to speak to. And I really find the work of Virtual Songlines inspirational. And I just look forward to seeing it evolve into the future and continue to succeed. So all the best, Brett. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thanks to the listeners. And don't be afraid to reach out if you've heard this and just send me a message and visit any of my projects. If you know my website, just check it out and there's stuff everywhere and more to come. Thanks for listening to Impact Boom. You'll find links to the initiatives, people and resources mentioned in this podcast on impactboom.org. Please leave your comments below and remember, we'll be publishing fresh inspiration and insights to help you create positive impact every week on the website, Facebook page and Twitter.